When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And here we are with another edition of Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We had somebody during our scheduling of the MJ Business Conference coverage that we held over because there were just more questions to ask our guest. And just to give you a heads up, our guest already was featured on the Green Peak with Richard Zwicky uh, back in September. I would definitely go ahead and tell you to go recommend a look at that show and learn some more. But in the meantime, the guest I have today joining me now runs a publicly traded strategic real estate development firm for emerging and highly regulated industries and has accrued over a decade of experience in social, economic, and environmental development of complex business organizations with a focus on sustainability in emerging industries. And joining me now is the Chairman and Chief uh, Executive Officer of Zoned Properties Incorporated, Brian McLaren, joining us here on Cannabis Radio again. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, excited to be back. And I feel like Rich and I set the foundation for all things cannabis and real estate and zoning. And we'll be great to dive into some more specific details with you today. So let's go and go a little more to the overall. So really just to give people a quick refresher, Zone Properties, a leading real estate development firm for emerging and highly regulated industries, including regulated cannabis. And you're redefining the approach to commercial real estate investment through integrated growth services. So talk to me about how your company works to enhance the value of real estate and mitigate the risk within this highly regulated marketplace. Yeah, perfect. And we'll give the people a little background, especially any new listeners that are not familiar with myself or zoned properties. Um, so my whole background, I spent years in my graduate research and early career as a real estate development and local community planner. So I was doing a lot of work in the sustainable development industry and sustainability is such an open-ended term. It really, my focus in that was related to renewable energy and community systems like the waste stream. And the objective of that whole process at the local level, which has such huge similarities to cannabis, huge grassroots movement, very localized, the objective there is always, if we figure out how to shift these systems, we can really make our communities a better place. We can make them better as a system. We can make them better for ourselves, for our neighbors, for our businesses. And so that experience of working with local community city councils, local planning and development offices, looking at how code is written for real estate development or how to install a wind turbine or build a cannabis cultivation site. That's really what has evolved to become our company today's owned properties. And we specialize in that very focused localized level for both real estate owners and cannabis companies on how to navigate the complexity, how to look at the zoning and permitting code, how to develop and design these facilities and properties all the way through the cannabis vertical cultivation sites, manufacturing, kitchen, processing, through dispensary, retail, and distribution. 
Um, I go back. I go back to a conference I went to that was down here in South Florida. Uh, it was a very boutique kind of show, and I just remember talking to someone that did uh, signs for yep. cannabis companies and for dispensaries and for businesses, and just remembering the issues that would be done in terms of the stories they heard about coding, zoning enforcement, the types of things where you know because of what the business is how the landlords can really go and take advantage of somebody with the rent and what kind of things that go on with it. Because, you know, also the neighborhoods that, you know, some of these businesses are allowed to go ahead and be housed in. If they want to have storefronts, things like that. There's, there's still some limitations out there and that's been a problem. And I'm, I'm going back to what 2019 hearing these kind of issues, which is yep. great where you have this that can work out in a recent Benzinga Q and a Brian, you explained quote, as the United States continues to evolve its emerging cannabis industry, Primarily regulated by local community zoning and permitting regulations, the importance of intelligent real estate development strategies and tactics have never been more important. Now, there are approximately 39,500 local governing bodies that control where a regulated cannabis project can be located and operated. That's including, for example, counties, municipalities, townships that create local zoning and permitting regulations. And some of those I know, especially when it comes to suburbs, especially here in South Florida, they're stickly, they, you know, they have their thing where the color scheme to a plaza has to be a certain way. Certain schemes when it comes to the landscape, it's, it's stupid. But the significance of these local discussions have never been more important. It has never been more important for the future of an emerging industry such as cannabis, end quote. So I want to talk about the localities and how they've been increasing in frequency and number of the local debates and discussions that are being done around zoning slash regulatory code updates for cannabis. Yeah. And, it, and there's two sides of this on, on the very beneficial side. This is the beauty of democracy in action. Every one of our localities, certainly state by state as cannabis programs are legalized, the regulatory system is different in every state. And then all of the localities, our townships, our cities, they have a chance as citizens and voters to figure out what's going to best fit their own system. So that's the good news. The challenge, the other side of that is that's about 40,000 different discussions. That's 40,000 different groups of people that have to learn about a brand new industry. That's 40,000 debates where we're trying to correct a hundred years of propaganda and the war on drugs and actually try to start to educate local regulators, our neighbors, people who might be fearful of cannabis, though that tide is changing quickly, that this is going to improve property values, going to create economic development with job growth, increase taxes. So at the, that local level, really why I say and feel it's never been more important than now is as a grassroots movement over decades, and sustainability is very similar to this, spend decades trying to shift that paradigm. We all have the opportunity to set the stage for the next several hundred years, but it's really difficult for the small groups of people to do that nationally. We try, we're, we're to the best of our ability, we know how to do it, but the exciting part of some of the new technology projects, which, which I know we're gonna talk about, right. is there's an opportunity to do that at scale and try to provide best practices, education, to all the different grassroots boots on the ground groups that are doing it now at the same time. Um, and I'll, for the audience, I mean, I'll say 10 years ago when I first started to really get involved in cannabis and real estate, it was like, if there was a local article that made the news once a week, that was a lot. 
now, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to disseminate through our zoned properties Twitter feed as often as I can. There's 5, 10, 15 of these every day yeah. where upcoming votes are happening. And it's, it's just exciting. It's the momentum of the industry is, is coming on strong. When I look at what we have down here in South Florida, <clears throat> as an example, first of all, anything that's either medical marijuana facilities, treatment centers, or dispensaries, they're putting a lot of work in terms of really remodeling. They're taking some of the existing buildings I've seen, especially like I see if it's an office building or just something that was like a freestanding storefront and just completely putting a, you know, a new uh, coat of paint on it redoing everything really looking spectacular i'll see banks that have been converted you know there's a lot of things where they've done that plus there's been issues in the limitations of the plaza they can work out of because down here you know in some markets it might be different but they're all mostly metropolitan mostly urban centers so in downtown you might you might be limited with the level of uh space or square feet you might have in a storefront and, you know, you also want to make sure to distinguish yourselves from head shops or from vape shops that are out there that also, you know, there are some that are actually maybe do a little bit of due diligence and maybe make a nice facility, something that's very easy and clean look. But then you look down here, you can definitely stand out which places are cannabis related because you see MedMen bright red. You see the look of the like an almost like an iPhone yeah. store. True Leaf also has a great look. Yeah. Uh, grow Healthy, those kind of stores. And then the same thing goes for Miracle Leaf or any of the medical marijuana treatment centers and what they're doing. So yep. the importance of trying to go ahead and – is that something really that you – is that a lot of encouragement, the fact of that's yeah. the limitations we have? There's not much more to go outside of DDA from that? Yeah, I mean, the, the capital improvements to property in the commercial space is, is an amazing one. I mean, that's one that I think has really shifted <laughs> – over the past few years is a lot of commercial property owners, landlords, or community planners were, were kind of looking at some of the history in the late 90s, early thousands of like, okay, this is gonna pop up as a, a modular building or a stand-up trailer with a banner on it. And that does happen too. But what we've seen is that this is a true emerging industry. This is, I think the one of the projections that came out of a recent conference um, by a Wall Street analyst is that by 2030, we, we would see cannabis around $190 billion industry. So these are, these are big dollars, and that's billion with a B, yeah. um, in the US. So those capital improvements, a lot of the time are taking some of the more rundown areas of town and giving them a complete facelift. So bringing up the property value and those prosperity metrics for consumers, for neighbors, um, and sometimes millions and millions of dollars on some of these retail fronts. Um, and you mentioned Brasco for sure, like MedMen, some of these more iconic looking standardized stores. Yeah. I think we're gonna see those emerge the same as, as traditional retail like Tiffany's. You know, Tiffany's Jewelry Co very iconic that kind of light blue tiffany color can be recognized across the board and we're in the early innings of cannabis so some of those will emerge some will come and go um you know truly is a great example they've done an amazing job from from what i can tell on standardizing the experience for the consumer we're going to see franchise operations pop up um, but it's that ability to scale the real estate development process really from our perspective 
along with the standard operating experience for the consumer that is going to deliver that value. And that's going to shift the paradigm. That's going to be what the tipping point comes. And I also noticed too, and I can only speak for South Florida, that some of the buildings that are being built as well, that we're seeing some urban sprawls, urban development getting gentrified. And you're seeing yep. the change where there's a lot of progressive, very, you know, younger, uh, yeah, younger uh, families or younger couples and people that are really moving into areas that might have some kind of an area that are, like the buildings are, you know, you have homes that are like a little bit ant- antique, very vintage looking homes, areas like yeah. that. But you're also very close to some kind of seedy areas. But it, do you also notice that's a trend right now that where gentrification is going, where urban sprawl and urban redevelopment is happening? Those are the places that are really hotbeds for cannabis related companies. Yeah, and we're just in the evolution of a, a new industry, this kind of curve of, of emergence, consolidation. We're definitely seeing momentum of large corporate cannabis, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I think everything that lifts the tide and moves the industry forward can benefit all. Um, but when it comes to kind of the shifting of the culture and history of a community, I think we need to be really careful of that. This is a legacy grassroots movement that, in my opinion, should not just be replaced by big corporate cannabis. You can have both and both can benefit from each other. But that's there is a space where the legacy mom and pop store, the large corporate multi-state operator group and a hybridized middle ground, which is something, for example, like a franchise operation, can allow those systems to play together, but it is it is going to take a modern and somewhat sophisticated style to convince the kind of holdouts, commercial property landlords, debt lenders, and we're not even talking about federal legalization yet, Right. just, just to convince those, maybe call them naysayers for now, that this is actually going to improve their property value, not be kind of a, okay, well, let's push them off into the corner and kind of put them next to the, you know, we call it NIMBY in uh, real estate, not in my, not in my backyard. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think they're going to find out that there are going to be some plasma. I don't think they're going to be completely restored or they're going to come back to full life, but I think that it does inject some new life into all these plazas. First of all, because these plaz- these landlords, they need occupation. They need occupancy yep. for all these buildings. It gets more people in, yep. <clears throat> you know, but they also should not be put into the same category as say like, you know, uh, tobacco Strip shops or massage store. parlors or things like that. It's nothing like that. You know, right. It's, I mean, I think some of the, a lot of the companies have been really smart about that, but I think the ones that have been only going to take existing buildings, stand alone, and convert, yeah. have been the, the really right. good sales, and I've, that's what's looked really good to me, um, because they've done a really good job of, you know, taking, and then you can just tell those are the companies that are the chains that are really reinvesting, so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, again, it's so important because that balance, you need to reinvest. We have to bring in large corporate to bring the capital that comes with it until traditional banking is available. But at the same time, we cannot lose the history and legacy culture of this industry. And I, again, my opinion really on being involved in this for over a decade 
if you lose that legacy expertise in history, you will lose the quality of this product for the consumer. So the future of cannabis, if it only goes down the corporate kind of gentrifying style of development, we will lose the greatness of the history. So there is a space for both to play and grow together. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that it continues down that path. But one of the things that, and we're taking a little bit of a pivot here, but that we keep a really close eye on, on a state-by-state -state regulatory process is these applications to receive licenses. We do a lot of client work nationally helping prospective license winners find yeah. property for their applications. And, and we're seeing a little shift, a little bit of a crystal ball prediction here, but definitely with Southeast states and more Republican controlled voting states opening up, we're starting to see more of a free market licensing approach mm -hmm. and a focus on free market licensing. So no artificial state cap and a focus on built in social equity and minority owned business licenses I think that is really promising for what we're talking about, continuing to maintain the value of the history and the legacy of this product. Uh, right. It's like you would, you would never throw away a thousand years of, of vineyard and winemaking. You would never just throw that away and forget about the culture and the history. That's the richness of, of that product. Yeah. All right, we need to go to break. We're already kind of running a little late. I'm here with Brian McLaren, chairman and CEO of Zone Properties INC. And when we come back, we're going to talk. We're going to go deep diving into prop tech or property technology, and we're going to go into why it's the next big thing for cannabis commercial real estate. And Brian will, you know, lay out the whole thing for us coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. We're back here on Blunt Business with Brian McLaren, Chairman and CEO of Zoned Properties, Inc. Now, Zoned Properties is now expanding the real estate services into prop tech data projects. Identifying prop tech is the next big thing for cannabis commercial real estate. Now, I want to give a definition for folks. Property technology or prop tech can be defined as the usage of technology and software to assist in today's real estate needs. For the office sector specifically, this can mean everything from digitally facilitating unique workplace experiences to offering advanced data and analytics capabilities for real-time feedback to even helping property teams purchase, sell, and manage their assets. In short, it's to make everything about owning, leasing, or working in a building unique, easier, and more efficient. So let's quickly just summarize about what these data projects are gonna do to provide a solution for PropTech. Yeah, and a little bit of context and history, Brasco, for us at Zoned Properties. So PropTech is a, is a wide-ranging solution for property development. Mm -hmm. And when I say property development, I'm not just talking about the physical construction and development, but de the process of developing real estate starts as early as strategizing on demographics, where a particular use of a piece of property or real estate is going to succeed based on the location within the region. And then all the way through after development and delivery of that project, continuing success. So driving foot traffic back to brick and mortar, especially as we're shifting in our society to more and more direct to consumer distribution models. So real estate shifts along with the shifts of society because the built environment is where we live. So property technology is 
all about increasing efficiency and effectively helping to guide that process. And for us at Zoned Properties, over the years, we've just had a, a discovery session over and over and over trying to figure out how can we more efficiently and at a larger scale help identify properties in the complex zoning. So in the industry, in the cannabis industry, I think a lot of listeners have probably heard this, we call them green zone properties. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we get our name, zoned properties, because these are very specifically zoned properties that cannabis can be um, operated within. But it's an organic process. Every single one of those about 40,000 localities has their own local code. It takes a lot of time to learn how to find that code, read through the code, understand it. Will it change? Does it apply to this circumstance, that one? And we've become very efficient as a team, but to do that organically by hand just can't be done at scale. So over the years, we started searching for what property technology solutions might exist to help us with this. And eventually for us, we met a company called Zonomics out of the Northeast mm -hmm. that did exactly what we were trying to look for, just not for cannabis. And so I met Matthew Player, the founder and CEO of Zonomics, and we just started brainstorming. Could you take a property technology, a prop tech platform like Zonomics that provides at scale zoning, construction and permitting information? Can you reskin that? for cannabis. And here's, to me, the best part of prop tech. When you look at it efficiently and effectively at scale, and I'm going to borrow a phrase from Matthew here, it's all about democratizing real estate intelligence. Right. So the grassroots side of this cannabis industry that we've been talking about, how to maintain and help and empower the legacy operators that are transitioning into a more complex regulated industry, Big commercial real estate development, a lot of time is a, is a wealthy group's game. If you don't have the millions and millions of dollars and team to be able to navigate the complexity, invest in those properties and, and going into city councils and lobbying, a lot of times you can get left out as a, as a single group, as a mom and pop. So the property technology is really exciting because that system of democratizing the information so that it can be at the fingertips of the average user. Not only can it help us at Zoned Properties and our clients and our company grow at exciting scale through that kind of platform, but you're also significantly shifting the real estate development process. And this is just for us. This is happening across the entire part of the vertical in real estate development. Let's move along now. I want to break down some of these projects, the data projects we're talking about. Let's go and break down some of these projects here for listeners. There's first there's the GIS zoning and mapping project or geographic information systems uh, related to geography and mapping. The platforms can integrate various types of data that uh, provides users with functional layers of information, spatial location using maps and 3D scenes. Uh, you have the brick mortar retail consumer project, which um, experiencing a paradigm shift in the past few decades, these consumer behaviors have been adapting along with the modern transformation of the retail experience. Um, now, one of the things I'll, I'll ask about, I don't understand where you're coming from when it comes to GIS, but when the brick and mortar retail, um, it's interesting where there's just certain, that you definitely have, there's a definite standout as to 
there's a, a, a common formula as to where to place facilities. You know, nobody's looking necessarily at shopping centers like big, you know, retail malls, outdoor, anything like that. Uh, those kind of facilities, we're not really seeing anything like that. Out parcels, we're not seeing that as well. Um, there's definitely, you can kind of distinguish where you're going to find stores. You already kind of like, you know, eliminate a good half of any potential buildings that could be available for occupancy and saying, no, no, we know where we're going to go with this. We're going to find, you know, your standard storefronts, strip malls, you know, existing uh, standing buildings that would be a, a great location and have the square footage that we need that we can go and remodel and recreate. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's really our two property technology projects. So on the GIS mapping, that project is called Rezone. That's our partner with Zonomics, how to find help operators find their projects. On the other end of the spectrum, after your project has already been built, your dispensary is open, then the question comes, how do you get people into your door? So our, our project on that end is called Beacon. And the entire focus of that is driving foot traffic back to brick and mortar retail. Cannabis is a fascinating industry when it comes to this, because in all these other industries over the past few decades, the consumer experience at in-person brick and mortar retails shifting more and more to online delivery to your house. But cannabis is one of these industries, and there's a few others, but because of the regulatory structure, in most markets, it requires in-person purchases at the brick and mortar. So to have and, and, and explore a property technology solution that can help your brick and mortar dispensary stick out, especially in markets like Oklahoma, where there's thousands of dispensaries, how do you get that competitive edge to get that consumer to your doorfront versus maybe the 10 other dispensaries around you and actually have consumers and their stickiness? So how do how do you help consumers find the products and the experience they actually want and are seeking out rather than guess and check? So property technology is a great solution for that. A history of, of how you might drive foot traffic back to your retail storefront in most industries starts before you pick where you're going. Typically you call a commercial broker, they're doing research for you, where is traffic patterns, what kind of demographics, what median incomes, what type of variables of people that are in that community of, of different communities and where should you best locate your site? Well, in cannabis, sometimes you don't have much choice. Maybe you're landlocked based on the license you've won to a specific geographic region or district or township or city. Maybe the zoning and permitting is so strict, you only have five, six, seven properties to choose from. And of course, our platform Rezone helps with that. But when you have to open at a specific location, now it's all about how do you get foot traffic to your location, especially if it's not an ideal site, if you were to choose broadly anyways. So from a commercial strip center or a mall or all these traditional big like movie theater, grocery anchored strip centers where you would have a collection of foot traffic naturally, a lot of times dispensaries can't locate there. So we're trying to discover ways to really help and empower dispensary operators. Again, from the start, they find their location with the Rezone platform. And then once they're at their location, how do we make sure consumers get in their doors? Um, 
here with Brian McLaren, Chairman and CEO of Zoned Properties INC. And while we're at it, we'll go ahead and direct people to the website, zonedproperties.com. And also, if you are on the investment side, we did mention they're publicly traded on the OTC under the stock ticker ZDPY. We're back with final questions with Brian after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Back with final questions with with uh, Brian McLaren, Chairman and CEO of Zone Properties here on Blunt Business. Uh, you and your COO, Barrick Blackwell, who recently appeared on our Plant Profits series. You guys have had some time on the air with us. Uh, you talked about Zone Properties and the real estate growth verticals. There's advisory, brokerage, franchise, and prop tech data services. Positioning the company for portfolio investment acquisitions and scalability. You spoke about that at both the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference in New York City and at MJ Biz in Las Vegas. Talk about what the response and some of the common talking points you've discussed. Yeah, yeah. It's it's probably what we're most focused on is what we've learned over the past decade is these four pieces for us are what are most important for succeeding and developing real estate in the cannabis industry. So we built each of these because we needed them. When we were investing and developing our own real estate projects that we still own here in Arizona, it was really hard to find a licensed broker to help us transact at those properties. So we had to do it ourselves. When we had to navigate the zoning and permitting and, and meet land use attorneys and general contractors, we had to figure that ourselves as an early adopter in the industry. So what we realized is each of these pieces we knew we needed as cannabis real estate developers. And after talking with lots of groups across the country, we knew that's what everyone needed. So we started to build out these four verticals, our brokerage team to help with transactional licensed work, our advisory and consulting team to help navigate the process. And then the two kind of catalyst verticals, property technology and franchising services are what we have found really help on the capital investment side in real estate. And so if we zoom way out when it comes to real estate, there's typically two forks in the road for all the listeners that might not be as familiar with real estate investing. There's a passive, essentially real estate bank that's called a REIT, a real estate investment trust. Mm -hmm. And those groups tend to deploy capital in a, in a more passive way, as I mentioned. Yeah. Very, very important and powerful for cannabis because this industry doesn't have access to banking yet. So the billions of dollars that have allowed cannabis to grow quickly, a lot of that has come from the cannabis REITs. The other side, the other path in the road is really where zoned properties has developed. That's the real estate services side. Everything else that's required once you have the capital to find, develop, deliver, and operate a successful real estate project. So I know we've talked a bit about so far in the episode, it, our advisory work, brokerage, the property technology, but the last piece for us is this franchising partnership. So what we realized over the past decade, vetting hundreds and hundreds of different brick and mortar real estate investment opportunities, is that it wasn't the cannabis lack of experience that led to a lot of defaults and failures for operators, a lot of times it was standard business practices, which makes sense when you think about it. This is taking an existing legacy, irregulated underground industry, sometimes second, third generation of cannabis experts, and then very, very quickly forcing them into a highly regulated industry on top of all standard business practices, which 
even if you're running a coffee shop, it takes a lot to understand how to effectively manage recruiting, retaining, training employees, sourcing products, delivering to consumers. So the franchise is an amazing solution for that. For us, we realized that if we partnered with a cannabis dispensary franchising group, that our investment in the brick and mortar real estate would be far more protected. So we actually provided startup capital to a brand new franchising group called Open Door Dispensaries yes. that is led by just a, an all-star team of, of founding ladies, uh, Catherine Blackwell and Chelsea Mulligan. So that's our, that's our approach there, Brasco, is now we can deploy capital as a non-REIT while being directly involved in helping operators succeed. And just so you know that we did speak to the folks at Open Door Dispensaries as part of our MJ Business right. Conference and on Plant Profits. So actually, we'll be on Plant Profits. You can find uh, several interviews with Catherine Blackwell on that program. I would definitely go ahead and direct all of you to go and check that out for yourselves. Uh, the other thing also, before we go wrap things up, Brian, is when you're starting to see, you kind of mentioned it earlier in the interview, that there is the, <clears throat> the, the thought process that you're starting to see some large corporate types they're coming up with the prototypes that they want to have for their buildings. They're going to make them exactly the same all over the country. Uh, is that something that you feel like is the trend that's happening right now? The discussions being made that you're going to start seeing a lot of uh, companies being acquired and a lot of different uh, facilities being brought together where you're going to just see a very similar scale to all these different large scale cannabis companies and how they're going to be building real estate going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think until traditional capital and traditional banking enters the space, not even necessarily full federal reform, but really that capital and banking piece, you're just going to see that kind of curve in the trend of an emerging industry past emergence into consolidation phase, which is where we are now. And those large corporate groups that have been able to raise billions of dollars that are providing a good service for the consumer, that standard experience, standard storefront, the challenge there is that the ownership a lot of time, and this is not true of all the public MSOs, some of them are really empowering local ownership as well, but a lot of the time, the vast majority end up consolidating wealth and ownership within the corporation amongst a small few. What we love about the franchising approach, and this is, I'm going to borrow a phrase from Catherine Blackwell, it's all about being in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Right. So. There's a, there's a good number, and I'm sure you guys talked about this on your session, there's a good number of, of license winners and dispensary operators that they don't want to sell their license, yeah. but maybe they're really struggling, they need the help, and that's where that franchising solution really comes in, and we can also bring with it the real estate expertise and real estate capital as the founding partner of Open Door Dispensaries. Well, Congress could offer, actually really offer an overlying solution. Safe Banking Act. How about we pass that, huh? No. <laughs> yep. Jesus. And I, I understand <sighs> on Monday we're going to see a new Federal Reform Act from the South Carolina community, yeah. um, which I'm pretty intrigued by. If it carries the same type of kind of free market style approach to licensing we talked about earlier, yeah. this could really shift the future of of the emerging industry but yes yeah, safe banking let's go it's about time right there we go so let's go wrap things up again website is zonedproperties.com uh if you want to go and invest check them out on the otc markets uh they're listed 
under the stock ticker ZDPY. Again, Brian, thanks so much for joining us here on the program. Thank you. You guys are the best. And anytime you need listener interest in real estate development and for anyone out there that just wants to talk real estate, get a hold of us. We're here to help. Appreciate that. And before we go wrap things up, listeners, I want to just give you the heads up that we're going to be doing a little experimentation here on Blunt Business with some premium content. Because we know that some of the interviews we get on here, there's probably more questions we want to get out with our guests. And, and there's always more content I can always ask. So we're going to take some good uh, uh, good chunks of the content. We're going to still provide, you know, bulk of the interviews that we do on the show. You know, it'll be available for free. But we're going to offer a subscription service. Premium content where you're going to hear a little more in-depth with the guests that I have here on Blunt Business. Stay tuned for more details on that. I will fill that for you up on a future episode. Until then, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.